0: Excited to wrap up our series today, Work is Good. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Uh, This one has really been a blessing for me. I told you all I've been in this content and just studying and researching on many different levels for over a year in this uh, particular series. They don't all happen that way, but this one did. And when I knew it was getting preach ready, uh, needless to say, it was pretty exciting And so as we begin to wrap this up today, I want to say a few things before we get into today's part four. Um, One, I want to remind you that you are created to thrive. You are created to flourish. You are created with gifts, talents, and abilities, and you are meant to be productive, fruitful, and to experience multiplication through the fruits of your labor. So that you can be blessed, but that you can also be a blessing in the world around you. That's God's design for us. That's His way of bringing work into our lives to where it blesses us, but it can also bring honor and glory to Him. When we do things according to God's design, how many people know we are incredibly blessed? When we see God's design, we see the perfect way. And then it's up to us to hear to believe, and then to choose to obey what God's telling us to do. When we choose not to obey or go our own way, how many know that's when we begin to suffer consequences? And ultimately, the Bible tells us if we go long enough, we experience destruction on many levels in our lives. And so there's a design here. That's what I've really wanted to get through to all of us over these weeks is that there's a design for work that God gives us. He intends for it to be blessed and for it to be good. The first couple of weeks, we talked about how work is a, it's good. It's a, a form of how we can worship God and the way we go about it. We're doing it unto him and not to men. That Work is meaningful and purposeful when we look for our purpose above the sun and not beneath the sun. And then we're balancing these these tensions, if you will, between those first few weeks of what we talked about and then parts three and four of the series, which last week we talked about the dangers of slipping into a place of pride, doing things for the wrong reasons and for the wrong motives, right? That that can easily happen. Man can attempt to gain value, worth, and identity from his work instead of from God, and then that thing becomes dysfunctional. Pride can creep in. Today... We're going to talk about rest is not optional. Rest is not optional. One of the things I've come to really appreciate is reliable vehicles. Anybody else? Um, Katie and I put some serious miles on our vehicles. She's close to 300,000 on hers right now, and I'm well over 200 on mine. And those vehicles are created and intended for a purpose, right? They, they're designed to get us somewhere. They're designed where we can get in, we can start them up, they run, we can press the gas pedal, they accelerate, sometimes in Katie's case, much faster than they should. <laughs> we all know that. Um, <laughs> We were driving home last night from Jerseyville, and we come flying by a minivan with a Life Church X bumper sticker on the back window, and she's like, oh, oh. I'm like, they, they already know. They already know. But if we just jumped in those vehicles, and we decided to drive somewhere nonstop for days, for weeks, for months, years on end, and we never actually changed The oil or refilled the oil, which keeps the engine cool, makes sure it doesn't overheat and explode. How many people know if you didn't give it that kind of attention, it would never reach the optimal lifespan that it's intended to have? I would liken the design that God has with rest in our work-life balance this way. If we don't appreciate and understand the importance and the significance around our need for rest as God has made it, then we will eventually begin to experience destruction, malfunction, dysfunction, in our work, in our labor, and in our service to God and how we go about using these wonderful gifts, talents, and abilities that he's given us. They can be abused and misused if we're not wise and discerning in how God tells us to use them. Amen? So we're going to open up with rest is not optional by going to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And I want you to ask yourself two questions today. These aren't my points, but I want you to think about these two questions. We'll we'll come back to these at the end. Number one, do I believe that God has designed rest as a necessity for me? Do I believe that according to his word? Not my opinion, but according to the word. And number two, do I obey? Am I actually obeying that? You see, for me, for a really long time in my life, Most of my adult working life, I would just tell you, rest was optional. I didn't appreciate the importance of it. I just go, 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 100 miles an hour, pedal to the metal, every season, every situation. I felt like I had to be incredibly productive every single day, getting things done, checking things off the list, or I was getting behind, I was falling behind, chasing that rabbit, so to speak. Rest was optional, which is interesting as I look back and think on those years, because from 22 on, I started serving the Lord, and during that period of time, I never thought about killing anybody, never thought about stealing from anybody. I I, I didn't look at those things as optional in my life, but last time I checked, our need for rest, it's one of the 10, (laughs) isn't it? But don't, don't we do this sometimes? Don't we, we kind of approve of all the other ones in our lives and say, no, those need to happen? But sometimes we look at this need for rest or Sabbath, honor the Sabbath one day, we, we look at the need for rest and we, we almost make excuses for that one whenever we're not willing to do that for all the others. And that, that's what I did in my life for many, many years. And once God showed me the truth of this, began to minister this to me, I said, wow, Lord, I see that. I believe. Guess what I have to do next? I have to obey. And when we hear and believe and then we obey, guess what? The beauty and the blessing of what God has intended for that begins to flourish in our lives. So let's read Genesis chapter 2, opening up verses 1 through uh, 3. It says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, and on the seventh day... God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, say blessed, and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. So I'm going to give you three points today of why rest is not optional. Number one is, it's God's design. It's His design. I mean, He created it that way. So let's draw a few observations out of these verses in Genesis chapter two. okay? First of all, God rested. I mean, just think about that for a second. The God who needs absolutely nothing, who nothing can be added to him and nothing can be taken away from him. He is. And always will be. That God that we serve, He rested on day seven. He chose to, to set the example and to demonstrate for us what the balance needs to look like. So when God did it, He set the precedent. He set the design for us to follow in order to thrive, flourish, and be at our creative best in the six days a week that we are given to labor, and to carry out God's plans. The seventh day was the day of rest. It also says that God sanctified it, blessed it, and he sanctified it. To sanctify means to set apart, means to have very special and intended purpose for something. God had specific reason for what this seventh day of rest would accomplish for us in our lives. It's part of his design. And the last thing I say to that is, there was seven days. Seven is a number of completion and perfection. Six of those days, God created, and he worked. But the seventh day, he what? Rested. That completed the week. The week is not complete in six, the week is complete in seven. So while we have six great days of productivity and efficiency and gifts flourishing through us to complete what that balance must be in our lives, we need that seventh day ourselves willingly to set it aside, to sanctify it, and to give it to the Lord and to rest and be refreshed as he intends for us to be. But we've got to realize that's how we, at, we are at our creative best. God's formula for maximum productivity is six on, one off. Let me just say it like that. Let me read with you in Exodus chapter 16. And in this particular case, God's instructing the Israelites as they're coming through the wilderness about the importance of Sabbath. And he's explaining how he's going to provide for them supernaturally with food, manna, bread from heaven. Y'all remember that, how God did that, right? Through the 40 years in the desert. But listen to what he says about how they are to work and labor and gather the manna during the days of the week. We'll just read a couple verses. Uh, Put verse 25 up to start. As they gathered the manna, Moses said this, eat this today... For today is the Sabbath to the Lord. So this is the Sabbath day now. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So I want you to think about this with me for a second. God said, I'm going to provide enough for you and your six days of gathering and laboring to where you don't need to go out and gather and labor on the seventh day. You can enjoy that as a day of rest. He wanted to emphasize this so much that he did not make the manna available for them to gather on the seventh day. He actually brought an abundance on the sixth day so that they could gather for that day and still have enough left over for the seventh day. And supernaturally, it remained fresh. It did not rot, and it did not get worms in it on the seventh day when they stored it up. So the point of that is, if they went out and tried to gather on the day that was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord, their efforts would not be blessed. You understand that? God has a formula, much like in tithing. He says, I'm going to bring all the increase to you. If you'll give the first tenth back to me, I'll bless the other 90%. And that's actually more efficient and more productive in God's kingdom and in God's economy than when we try to keep 100% and manage it on our own. So we have to ask ourselves this question, do I really trust God? Do I really trust him? that he will do what he says, and that he will accomplish more through me in six days than I can accomplish through myself in seven days. When we vainly and in futility work, 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 work nonstop with no rest in sight, then we are working in a way or in a formula that is not consistent with the design that God says he will bless. You can go out on the seventh day and deny the Sabbath. I'm not going to bless that. There's not going to be fruit from that. Right? God says, I, I will bless what you do if you trust and honor me and the way you live according to the principle of rest. It also says that on those days that the manna, it was uh, white coriander seed and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Hmm, that just sounds good, doesn't it? sweet and satisfying. And that same manna that they gathered on the sixth day is what they ate on the seventh day. It wasn't something less. It it wasn't like leftovers that have been downgraded and they're not quite as good anymore. The point of that is, God's very best is available to you on the day of rest that's available to you on the six days that you're laboring and working and being productive and fruitful. You're not getting something diminished because you choose to take a break. God's actually still making his best available when we live according to his design. In fact, the Hebrews... They chose not to follow this command, like many other commands. Listen to what the Lord says here uh, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 27. It says, It happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, For the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out on the seventh day. God is addressing their disobedience. They're going out and they're still trying to work and gather on the seventh day. They're not honoring this principle that God has presented them with. And the author of Hebrews tells us that those who entered into the promised land were not able to fully enter into his rest because of their disobedience. It says that God had a plan for them to come into the promised land and sit down in it and rest in it and be fruitful, but we know that the, the Bible tells us in the New Testament they weren't able to fully enter into that rest because of the disobedience to God's laws and commands. And one of those was their unwillingness to honor and and trust God in the Sabbath. So when we don't trust God in this way, listen, we actually deny ourselves the fullness of the rest and fruitfulness that God actually wants us to have. We take something away from ourselves when really God's trying to add something to us. It's a part of his... Design. And he goes as far as to say, I've given you the Sabbath. Meaning, point number two, why rest is not optional, it's a blessing. It's actually a blessing that God wants to present to us, it's a gift. This is the one that, like, mm, gut punched me, Greg, when I finally got a hold of it. God actually, this isn't some like hindrance to my ability to be productive, God says, this will advance those efforts, and I want to give this to you as a blessing. I want you to enjoy it. Why would it make you miserable or make you feel like you're not accomplishing something that you need to accomplish? This is a blessing to be enjoyed. Back to Genesis chapter 2, again, it says, God blessed and sanctified the Sabbath day. God intends for it to be a blessing for us, but many times, we fail to receive that blessing that he wants to give. Jesus even says, the Sabbath wasn't made for man, man, I'm sorry, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. God came up with that design, one, to bless him and to also use it as part of his design to strengthen him, invigorate him, and to help him operate in fruitfulness and optimal capacity the other six days of the week. Do you get that? I mean, it's a blessing. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. God says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, meaning if you honor it, and you keep yourself from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not giving your own way and doing your own things that you please, speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He says, when you actually honor the Sabbath and then you begin to receive it as the blessing I intended for you, you're going to call it a delight. You're gonna find the joy and the beauty in it that I've intended for you to have. And once you begin to, You're never going to want to to forfeit that again because it's so sweet and it's so good and you're going to come to appreciate it and you're going to find yourself way more productive and fruitful and efficient in the other six days than you ever were when you weren't finding it as a delight. In fact, let's listen to this. In Exodus chapter 31 verse 17, talking again about how God rested... In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day, he rested, listen, and was refreshed. Wow. God himself was refreshed on the seventh day. I don't know about you. I don't need to overthink this. If God was refreshed on the seventh day, then I definitely need to be refreshed on a day a week, right? <laughs> Psalms 92 Verse 10, this is called the Sabbath psalm. So this psalm was written on a Sabbath day. And listen to what verse 10 says. Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You've empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. Wow. You see, oil is a sign of anointing, and it's a sign of empowerment, What the psalmist is saying is I understand the beauty in the Sabbath, and whenever I honor the Sabbath and I receive that blessing, God is actually pouring a fresh anointing. He's pouring fresh oil out over me to cover me and run down from my head to my toe that I might triumph, that I might be empowered to operate at a different kind of level the other days than I ever could on my own. Wow, are we receiving that oil? I need that oil. I need to be refreshed and empowered for all of the wonderful things that God is calling me to. We all do. We've got to have that oil. But that oil comes, that fresh oil comes when we honor God's principle for the need for rest in our lives. I want to show you this illustration here today. If You can see this. I have up here what is called in Israel a kiddish cup, okay? And so you have the cup and you have the saucer. I didn't know this until we went to Israel the first time in 2017, but we had the privilege of seeing how they go about their Sabbath. It begins on Friday evening at sundown. And there were a lot of things that I learned about it while we were there. One of those was the way that they consecrate or sanctify the Sabbath meal as it begins. They have their meal that they prepare, but they have this kiddish cup that they do as a symbolic gesture. And what they do is they put the cup out as the meal is ready to eat, and then they take the wine, and they begin to fill the cup. And they continue to fill this cup until the cup pours over into the saucer. Not until it's mostly full or partly full, but until it's overflowing. And the principle of this, the reminder of this, is that as they continually honor God's command for rest and for a day of worship and sanctification to God and to be refreshed, that the other six days of the week, they're dripping wet and overflowing. See all that? That's a picture of that oil that God wants to have just pouring out of our lives. And then we go around and we minister and we do what we do from the overflow that's just dripping out of us. That's good, isn't it? Let me, yeah, that's good. But let me tell you what most people do. They walk around with a cup half full. And they go, 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 go. Our culture today, nonstop activity, 24-7, busyness overcrowded. I could go on, don't need to, do I? It's everywhere. And they go around with a cup that's half full. And they get to the point where the cup is finally empty, and they finally force themselves to take a little break, a little refresh, but they just get a little shot. They chase just a little fill, and then they run around on this low margin, and they never actually even know what this looks like and feels like in their life. And that becomes their lifestyle. But God says that this is an invitation, listen to me, and it's also a prescription. This is our solution to operate this way all the time. And I don't know about you, but I want my cup flowing over, and I want everything that comes out of me and everything that I do not coming from the fumes, but I want it coming from the saturation of the oil that's just dripping off of my life because I'm being refreshed continually as God has designed me to be. Why would I not want to receive that blessing? Why would I want to turn my back and turn away from something that's so good and so wonderful that God wants to give me in my life? I don't really know. And for so many years, I never even understood that. And I missed out on so much of what God could have given me. But no more. But no more. You see, people miss the blessing sometimes because they will overindulge and not appreciate the value of work, and and there's a laziness that can set in, and they don't experience the blessing of what that one day of rest could be. But other times, people just continue to see the day of rest as a hindrance. It's going to marginalize their productivity, and they're not really able to trust God that he'll do more with that. I want to keep in mind the balance here is six to one. I'm still given six days to work and be creative and be at my best according to what God is doing through me. Right. This isn't a license to not work. This is to say, no, be greatly productive and fruitful in these six days. Maintain the balance. But it's not work endlessly, nonstop activity to no end. It's actually appreciating the value of taking the time to rest and be refreshed so that you can continue to stay at your best. It blows my mind, but a well-rested life is really something that's almost hidden in plain sight in our culture today. And when we choose to, we say, I I hear, I believe, and I will obey. When we obey God's principle for this, we are surrendering our will to his. You understand that? And when we surrender our will to his in this area and trust him, this is what's amazing. We're not subtracting something from our lives we're actually opening up space in our lives for God to add something more to it. Isn't that good? I wonder, has God been adding to your cup recently? The last point, number three, why rest is not optional, it leads to freedom. It leads to freedom. We know that Jesus is all about freedom, right? He wants us to have freedom in everything that we do. He came to set us free. The truth will set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus is all about freedom. I want to suggest to you that when we live our lives in a place of faith and trust in God, understanding this principle that he has for us in rest, that we actually live from a a place of freedom. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, God is speaking to the Israelites now in the wilderness about the Sabbath. Let's hear what he says. Verse 12 Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. No, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your cattle, nor the stranger who's with you in your gates. Your male servant, your female servant may rest with you as well. Now listen to this, verse 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So this is the the point that God is making to them. He's saying, if you break the Sabbath, if you just work nonstop seven days a week, you're not acting any differently than you were when you were a slave back in Egypt. You were working seven days a week then, if you recall. Non-stop activity, working yourself into the ground. I've, come, I've brought you out of that. I delivered you out of that, and I'm giving you this Sabbath day as a blessing. Why would you want to deny that? You're, you do. You're living the same way as you were when you were a slave back in Egypt. Wow, he says, "No, I want I brought you out here to live free, not live in a way where you are a slave to maybe our own desire for materialistic things, the expectations of our culture, whatever it might be. If we can't allow ourselves to accept this blessing of the Sabbath, we're actually living in a form of bondage in the area of our work-rest balance that God has intended for us to have. Let me tell you something. There is absolutely nothing honorable, nothing that brings God honor about you working yourself into the ground, about you killing yourself with an over-busy, overcrowded, excessive lifestyle for weeks, months, and years on end. There is nothing honorable to God about that, nothing. God doesn't need you to do that. He doesn't want you to do that. Why would we choose to take that up and go about things that way? And so many people, they're, they're, they're bringing their life to a shorter close because they're denying the principle of rest that God has created us for. One of the things the Bible tells us also in Exodus, it says that if anyone, God said, if anyone would break the Sabbath, listen to this, this is, this is intense. If anyone broke the Sabbath, they were to be killed. Wow. I'm glad we're not under the letter of the law anymore, aren't you? (laughs) I would have been dead years ago. But God's serious about the Sabbath. He says if anyone violates that, they're, they're to be killed so that we understand that the example is we need to honor this in our lives. Well, we may not... Operate. Jesus says what's important is the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. There are still principles that are at play, at play and applicable in our lives with these things. We can't reject that wholly. But let me tell you this. We know scientifically there's much evidence for this. That those who work excessively nonstop and never actually take time to rest or are over busy, overstressed, overcrowded lifestyle, we know that they are taking years off the back end of their life. It actually leads to a shorter life when we cannot enjoy the blessing and the privilege of rest. In fact, one of the things the Bible repeatedly says again and again, one of God's promises is if we obey his commands and honor them, it leads to a long life. Isn't that amazing? And we see that this overcrowded, nonstop, constant activity lifestyle is beginning to wreak havoc and destruction on people's lives more and more and more as this culture we're kind of getting into continues to emerge. There's scientific evidence that's just crazy. This is part of what I've been researching and studying for the last year, all the stuff that's out there. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts here. One thing that you see is that clinicians and physicians are asserting, reporting, documenting massive cases of situations where people are coming in with symptoms conditions, things that they're looking for prescriptions for, looking for a pill for, and the only end result that they can come up with medically is that they are exhausted, overworked, burned out, and not rested. And the symptoms manifest themselves in a massive variety of ways. Some people have breakouts of hives. They can't figure out what's causing the hives. The only medical conclusion they can come to is that they are absolutely exhausted, stressed out, their body is never able to rest. And when your body goes for that long without the rest that it needs in your mind, your system begins to malfunction. It begins to experience a shutdown, and then those things manifest themselves in our lives in many different forms of unhealthy symptoms. And the end or root result in many cases is that they're overworked, stressed out, and never actually taking time to rest. Do you know, even in our daily lives, there's the daily need for rest, right? We sleep. As you sleep, there are four different stages of sleep that we can get to. Listen to this. This is huge. The first three are non-REM sleep. That's where we... The first stage of, of number one, you're very lightly asleep. You're easily woke up. You just, uh, you know, a pin drop and you're, you pop up. It's the first stage. The second stage, you begin to get a little bit deeper. In the third stage, your body, your your temperature starts to lower, your mind and stuff starts to pick up, and, and, and your heart rate begins to slow down. You actually prepare for that fourth and final stage of sleep and rest, which is REM sleep. It's the deep sleep, and in the REM stage of sleep, your body begins to do all of the healing and recovery and restoring that it needs to get you ready for the next day. Proteins are released throughout your body. Memories are beginning to solidify and get stored in your mental wiring. This is where the greatest place of recovery and restoration, I remind you as God has designed it, happens in our daily rest. But massive numbers of people, because they're constantly go, 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 never actually even get beyond the first or second stage of rest every single night. What does that do to a person over weeks, months, and years? I'll tell you what it does. It leads to a slow death. It takes years off their life, and it robs them of their creative best and the potential that God could have for them. And I found this to be the case, that many people I talk to are struggling and suffering with not even being able to rest well on a daily basis, much less a weekly basis or extended times throughout their life. I just want to encourage you with something today. That is not God's plan. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that when you lie down, your rest is meant to be sweet. The psalmist says, when I lay down, I will not fear because God is my protector. I will rest and I will be at peace. Simply put, for a child of God who cannot rest and sleep at night, maybe some of those things are lifestyle changes we need to to make, but listen to me. The fact that that would continue to happen repeatedly again and again in your life, that that invasion of peace peace for a child of God is simply unacceptable. That is not God's design and not his plan. I felt like the Lord said to me this week that when we end this message here a few minutes that we're going to pray for people who are struggling and suffering in this area, and God's going to do some awesome things. So in a few minutes, we're going to get to that. But I just want to say these last couple points here about how this leads to freedom in our lives. We need to know That the word Sabbath or Shabbat in the Hebrew, it just simply means to cease. It means to stop. Could be about what you do. Could be about what you don't do on that one day. But it means to cease. But we can't get overly legalistic about this and then put a yoke on ourselves with legalism that we're not meant to carry. Jesus himself said, if your ox falls in the ditch on the Sabbath day, pick it up. Pick it up. If you have an emergency, let's not get legalistic about this, but if your ox falls in the ditch every single day that you have off, you might need to go around and fill those ditches up the other six days of the week. You know what I'm saying? Might be managing things poorly. But Jesus says, he is Lord of the Sabbath. He says, don't let anyone judge you in food and drink, festivals, new moons, or in Sabbath. It's not some yoke of legalism that we're trying to put on people. He says, but you need to honor the principle. You need to understand the design for that. For me, for myself, my Sabbath, I take it on Mondays. Occasionally, there are weeks where something's going on and I have to move my Sabbath to a different day. My, my commitment to God is that I'm going to make sure I get the rest that I need. You understand what I'm saying? It's, we're not getting legalistic about this. What I do on my Sabbath day are things that refresh me, things that I enjoy. Because what? It's a blessing, right? I need to know God's given me that permission to do that, and he wants to refresh me through things that I enjoy and love to do. There are things that are different for all of us that classify themselves as work, that tax us in a way where we do them a lot, and we need to allow ourselves not to do those specific things on a day that we're sanctifying to the Lord. Those are just some of the parameters for that. On a Sabbath day, I'm perfectly fine getting on the tractor and cutting the grass because I enjoy it. It's relaxing. It's it's fun for me. For some people, maybe if you're in landscaping, you probably shouldn't do that on your Sabbath day. I don't know. You've got to deal with these things with between you and the Lord and figure them out. I'll cut my grass, but I don't weed eat, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, another thing I don't do on my Sabbath is I don't sermon prep, which is really hard for me because everybody knows for a pastor, like, everything's a sermon. <laughs> my family knows this. Anything that happens when they do, it's like, oh, that's message material right there. (laughs) Right, Abby? Went to dinner with Abby and Sean a couple weeks ago, and she walks into the front lobby, and then she just slips and falls right there in the front lobby. I show up, and Sean says, hey, just tell them that you're with the couple that the lady fell right on her face in the lobby, and they'll know where to bring you. And so we sat down, and Abby says, is that going to be in a message? I said, probably so, yeah. (laughs) Has no sufficient point, actually, other than... So we need to know that uh, we can't be legalistic about these things. And the last point I want to make is, uh, there's a testimony in it. There's a testimony in it. Exodus 31:13: Speak to the children of Israel and say, "Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations." Everybody say, it's a sign that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you, or I've set you apart for something great. See, when we choose to trust God in this area of our lives for rest, times where we might need extended rest, you know, certain things can tax us differently, right? A four-hour light-duty day requires a different mode of recovery than a 12-hour heavy-duty day. You've got to develop rhythms of recovery in your own life. You've got to figure out what that looks like. There's times where you might need extended periods. And then there's times where you just need to get the regular refreshing that you need. But when we do, the beautiful thing about this is, and this is what God's opened my eyes to, that I just never want to get away from, is that we live our lives in a place of supernatural productivity. It's just like whenever you you tithe and you're giving God the first fruits and you're left with the 90%, somehow it just keeps growing and keeps increasing. And there just continues to be more and more abundance for you. It doesn't make sense. I can't explain that to you. It's supernatural. God says he'll do it. I, I trust that he'll do what he says he's going to do. This same principle applies to rest in our lives. God's can make us supernaturally productive when we're well-rested to the point that other people see that as a sign of what God's doing in and through our lives. The more we've embraced these principles over the last couple of years and applied them and done them, it amazes me again and again and again at how God continues to do more and get more done through the efforts that I'm putting out. And I stand back and I'm amazed at him. And that's what he wants to do in our lives, to be supernaturally productive and efficient. But we cannot deny the principle in rest if we want to live in that place. And so I asked you these two questions in the beginning. I'm going to close with these. Do I believe that this is what God has designed for me? I mean, I took you through a lot of scriptures, and I'm just telling you, I got a whole lot more I didn't get to today about why the principle of rest is so important in our lives. Do I believe that this is God's design? And then the second question is, will I obey? I think maybe that's the big one today. Will I obey? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I get it. I get it. I've said it. People say it to me all the time. You just don't understand. <laughs> I can't. You don't know my circumstances. Listen, respectfully, I don't need to know your circumstances. God has made provision in his word for every single circumstance that you could ever face. I know what his word says. I'm not saying there won't be a cost. I'm not saying you won't have to change the way you live a little bit. But what I'm saying is, no matter what your circumstances are, God makes a way when we trust him to bring something greater for us than we can achieve on our own when we try to do it our own way. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me today? You know, we hear the word of God and we know that that gives us understanding that Jesus is Came to set us free He came to bring life And to bring it abundantly He calls us into a greater life And says Will you obey my commands And experience all that I have for you He's the way, the truth, and the life I encourage you today If you don't know him Give your heart to him Open up your heart And receive the forgiveness The love that Jesus is offering and receive his truth because it's the only way to live free I'm going to ask you today as we close all over this place if you say pastor you're talking about that rest and that, that sleep thing struggling at night feeling exhausted running on fumes enemy attacking in the night hour Whatever it might be, I don't even know what a good night's sleep feels like anymore. I feel very strongly that we need to minister and we need to pray on that today for people to be set free. I'm not saying God won't show you things you need to change in your life. He very well may. But I am telling you that that is not God's plan for you. He intends for your rest, your recovery, to be sweet, to be enjoyable, and to be restorative for you. If that's not happening, then that is not acceptable. That is not acceptable. That is not okay, and we can come against that today. The Lord will minister to you uniquely and differently and in all ways. I believe that. But you need to hear the truth, accept the truth, and then receive the truth that God said your rest is supposed to be sweet. Your time of recovery and restoration is supposed to be good. And if you're not getting that and you're not living in that, then something needs to shift and change today. Maybe something needs to break. You say, Pastor, that is me. I need that prayer. I want help in this area. I don't even know what to do. On the count of three, I just want to see you raise your hand see who we're praying with today one two three i need that i'm not sleeping i'm not resting i don't have that recovery in my life yes yes hallelujah hallelujah so if you you raise your hand look this is for you god's word once again let me just declare this over you today proverbs chapter 3 verse 24 when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Psalms 4:8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we come against any attack that's upon them. In Jesus' name, we come against any attack, any assault, on their mind, on their body, to rob them of the sweet rest that you have promised them, God. We come against that in Jesus' name. We stand against that. And we say, Satan, anything of evil, you have to go, you have to let loose. This is a child of God, and you are invading the peace that they are promised by their rightful inheritance as a son or daughter. We will not tolerate that. It is not acceptable Lord, we ask you just release right now the sweet oil of heaven to refresh and restore. I pray, God, with every faith that I can muster right now, that tonight, this night, and all nights after, God, that they will sleep, they will rest, it will be sweet, and it will be good in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord well before we go let's just give the Lord praise and honor we'll worship him for a moment before we're dismissed but may God bless you richly abundantly and may you know the beauty and the blessing of the sweet design of rest that God has created you for amen Let's sing
1: a song we worship the God who was we worship the God who Worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Come on, there's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of God who heals. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes the way. Because he hung upon that cross and he rose up from the grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. We'll shout out your praise. We were the beggars, our royalty. We were the priests. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Come on. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. a reason to shout we have a reason to praise and I'm thankful this series has touched my life I don't know what it's done for you guys but for us to be blessed we have to be obedient it's going to cost us but there's blessing in that know that so if you want everything God has for you and walk in that there's got to be obedience and I'm going to end with this to you too Pastor Matt and Pastor Katie I pray that this time away is blessed, refreshed, overflowing. Because as I said, just like that cup, when you filled it up and it overflowed, that's what I know we're getting when we come back. We're going to get that overflowing part, and it's going to be so good. So keep them in your prayers. We love you. Just know you're blessed. Y'all have a great day. Walk in obedience.